and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's Friday for you this week? Friday's very good. I've, I've been facing some, some challenges on the domestic front, um, getting, getting work done in the house. That always goes well, particularly if you're married to a perfectionist. Cyprus has a view of things that, that really doesn't marry terribly well with perfectionism. So um, I've been trying to bridge that gap, practicing my diplomatic skills. And so far, nobody is dead. <laughs> that sounds like a successful uh, week so far then. <laughs> How are you getting on? I'm doing really well. A little tired today. Looking forward to the weekend. Lots of editing to do this weekend. So uh, let's get right into our follow. Well, it's not really follow up. WWDC was this week. WW for those in uh, the knowledge. Um, that is Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference. And it was interesting. I, I thought a quote from Morning Brew, which is a newsletter I get, particularly summarize the event apple's preparing for post-pandemic life with a lot of tools that would have been helpful during the pandemic what do you think how did the event go for you i know we're both uh, apple fans so uh, we were chatting as we were watching um it went largely as i expected i think not because i have any you know uh, incredible sort of powers to see in the future but i listen to podcasts as you do and you know they seemed to have a pretty good idea of what was coming or not I think the point you've made is is a very fair one. There was quite a lot of Sherlocking of other apps going on where uh, sort of features that have, have chimed with users have just been subsumed into the operating system. Some of the things they're talking about doing with the various operating systems uh, look very encouraging. Things about focus, uh, I quite like the look of that. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they're blending Mac and your iOS devices into one. They're working together better perhaps with the upcoming operating systems than they ever have before. And focus was certainly one of those areas that I saw that. Yeah. And I think also the, the sort of single control mechanism, I see that as not a a destination, but as a direction of travel, I'm really pleased because, um, I just, um, how do I modes, modes of operation. So right now uh, we're recording Mm -hmm. and I'd like to be able to make all that happen at the press of a button. So the things that I need to do are to have notifications switched off on various devices across all the operating systems, certain apps available to me, and it's all very manual. Now, before anybody writes in, yes, I know you can set up scripts and, and automators and uh, shortcuts and all that sort of good jazz, but it's, it is very disjointed, particularly if, uh, like us, you use both iOS and Mac. So the fact that they're coming together there, it seems to me that very quickly we will be at a place where I can just go, okay, I'm podcasting. Boom. So all these things happen. And then the only thing that can disturb me is, you know, get a proper serious <laughs> requirement for me rather than Microsoft Teams pinging because it fancies it. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to seeing how that develops. There was no hardware, which surprised me. I thought they might take the opportunity to expand the hardware offering mm-hmm. but uh, i guess they're not ready um that would be the thing i mean i suppose supply chains are a bit tough right now so that perhaps that could be it yeah there's no hardware and there was no killer applications no pro level applications going to ios and with the new m1 chip in the new ipads 
I'm still left scratching my head and wondering why. Yeah, I mean, in, in fairness, we're all focusing on the M1 chip in iPads. I mean, the M1 chip um, is, in fact, a, a chip that's been in an iPad for three generations now. Um, and it's it's gone into Macs. That's probably what's happened more than anything else. But I know what you're saying. I mean, we've got these incredibly powerful tools, old pieces of hardware, the iPads, the, the tablet, the glass, sort of just this sheet of glass that does magical things. But there's no software that can get anywhere near stretching it. And the sort of well-publicized and known issues around managing files and multitasking, they've you know made little nibbles at that around multitasking so that you can, they've made it more discoverable, I suppose, more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I still, I still look at my iPad as um, a wonderful sort of potential device. And then whenever I use it, I just find it infuriating. So <laughs> I'm in that weird position that WWDC probably confirmed by not releasing any hardware that I'm going to buy some hardware. Oh, because I think I will need a, a mobile solution soon as things appear to be getting a bit better uh, on the COVID front. So um, I'm not sure. I, I can still travel with an iPad. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a wonderful machine. I can do anything I want to do with it. But I'd rather travel with a MacBook, I think. Good choice. Good choice. That m- might be what's happening in my world, but we will see. Mm-hmm. We will see how all these um, work projects at home go. Mm-hmm. I got to say, I agree. The unified control was a killer feature. I love that. The fact you can work on multiple Macs with one keyboard and seamlessly. Oh, just beautiful. And putting my iPad next to it, oh, it's going to be great for me. The other thing that I really liked was the text recognition and how integrated that is in with the operating system in photos. That looks really, really cool. It certainly does. I mean, I'm going to reserve judgment on it until I actually see it in the real world. And I, I won't see it in the real world. I'm not. Typically, I won't beta until the public betas. And even then, I'm quite reticent. So I'll let other people sort of <laughs> break the ground on this. But yeah, it's making that whole bringing photos into that recognition piece and bringing text into that recognition piece is potentially incredibly powerful, not just for, for Apple's apps, but for all the apps that will be able to make use of that. Yeah. Really looking forward to that. Enough on WWDC. Did you try spatial lossless music that dropped in Apple music this week? Uh, literally about half an hour ago, I listened to the, there's a, a Marvin Gaye track with Zane Lowe mm-hmm. talking over it. So the first part is played to you in mono, then it's played to you in stereo, and then it goes to spatial. And I was listening on my HomePod pair. Nice. Yeah, nice is the word. It was, uh, it, I, it was lovely to be talked through it, actually, I have to say, because I'm not an audio sort of, what was the word, audio phone. Um, or, sorry, audio file. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, so I, I wouldn't instinctively know the difference. I can tell there is a difference, but it's nice to have somebody sort of talking me through what the differences are. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, the, again, it's that mysterious decision that they made of <laughs> let's, let's make these things redundant. You can no longer buy a home pod, but let's just keep updating them and giving them new features. Sorry. What, what was that all about? But yeah, very, very powerful. I had the volume cranked up and, uh, bit of Marvin Gaye. You can't go wrong with a bit of Marvin Gaye on a Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a bit of a teaser for next week's uh, show topic, but uh, I was feeling particularly old 
I look through the list of songs and artists that are remixed in spatial lossless music. And I didn't recognize many of them, Stu. <laughs> I felt so old. I'm sure we both gravitated. Oh, the Beatles. I've heard of them. Yes, yes. Play those. No, I know what those songs should sound like. They have some wonderful classical tracks that they've uh, rem- remastered in uh, this uh, spatial technology. Uh, but that was about it. The Beatles. And uh, yeah, there wasn't much else. I think it was a Blondie track as well, which again shows my age. So uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to jump into Ariana, Ariana Grande, I think it is, or um, uh, anyway, well, we'll talk about music a little bit next week, but yeah, I'm, I'm certainly feeling my age a little this morning, uh, listening to trying to listen to spatial music all week. Uh, the concept is great. I've been listening on a couple of different headphone sets. Uh, my AirPods Pro Max, uh, which are surprisingly not as good as my recording headphones, which are some Sennheiser music uh, headphones that I use. And I sat down and I was listening to that this morning as I was prepping for the show and was just blown away by uh, how how good that sounds in music. So mm. a, a lot of your tools will dictate how it sounds to you. I want to really crank this up on uh, my surround sound system. Uh, downstairs and see what that actually does with discrete uh, surround speakers. Uh, But uh, I haven't got there yet. Uh, Maybe next week I'll report back on that. Fantastic. So what's your tool of the week, Stu? Uh, Well, unusually for me, I'm going to be nice about things I don't normally like. Video conferencing, video calling software. I mean, all of them, really. The, The concept more than the execution, I would say. So Zoom, FaceTime, uh, Microsoft Teams, heaven forbid. Oh, Stu? It just struck me to, well, there, there was a, an awkward uh, worky issue. I won't go into what it was. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't particularly difficult, but a video call f- fixed it in two minutes. Mm. And I think it saved us both, you know, 12 messages and 14 emails, if you see what I mean. It was yeah, yeah. just efficient. Um, it was great to be able to talk to somebody face to face ish, <laughs> um, and, and get all that visual feedback as to how they were reacting to what I was saying. And I just thought well, it's an incredibly powerful tool that's been knocking around for a long time, but until the pandemic came, none of us were really using it. So I was then just reflecting back at, at the week and thought, oh, actually five or six really good things that have happened, have happened on, on video calls for me this week. So yeah. Zoom, FaceTime, Teams, whichever your video calling uh, software of choice is, call somebody, see their face. Go on, you'll love it. It's great. What about you, Justin? Uh, well, I stay away from video calls. I have a face for podcasting. <laughs> uh, an overhead light and a bald head, uh, it mm-hmm. just gets bad reflections. Uh, there's no way to make it look good. Uh, no. Uh, just culturally, we don't use a lot of FaceTimey type things. I kind of look at it as a, as a gimmick because most of the time I want to be working instead of actually paying attention to somebody. And usually phone call is good enough for that, but, uh, you know, I, I get it. There's, there's times and places. For sure. Well, I'll get you on a face call. As soon as I can work out all of these time zones, I will, I will get you on a face call, a face call. There you go. I've something I've invented a term as well. My tool of this week is it's been a busy week, lots and lots of shows to edit. And I use a program called Isotope RX-8. So if any of you are into being a fussy editor, as I may or may not have been uh, described on a <laughs> recent uh, podcast that I edit. But it's good that you're not holding on to it. I mean, it's good that you're not holding it. No, I mean, that's great. 
no, it uh, is fantastic for for removing unruly, loud, clicky keyboards, uh, fridges that don't like you, air conditioning, <laughs> fans, uh, squeaky chairs, uh, pretty much everything that uh, goes into a terrible audio production. Now, I, I, the fussy editor is coming out in me, going back to WWDC. Uh, whoever mixed that loves sibilance. The S's were driving me nuts. Mm, yeah, I would agree with that. It was a very, very punchy mix and uh, something that, uh, you know, when you're trying to do audio, oh, is, is brutal. Uh, the one thing I did notice about RX-8, uh, and this is something that I thought I'd throw out as a caution part of the reason I recommend it, is it is not compatible with an M1 Mac mm. and does not run under Rosetta. Uh, well, it runs, but it creates audio uh, challenges. And I thought I'd throw that out because everybody's looking at these new M1 Macs and saying, yeah, these are great. But there are some things out there that still can't or, or haven't been upgraded to, to the new M1 architecture. And that is something to consider. For sure. You don't want to go and spend a lot of money on, you know, this wonderful piece of hardware that's going to make your life really, really easy just to find that actually it makes it harder. Yeah, it was a, it was a big surprise. And this is a pro level hardware. It's uh, very expensive. The reason I did that is some of the tweaks that I make to audio to remove and isolate the dialogue tracks takes 15, 20 minutes to run. And I thought, well, you know what, let's see if it's any quicker on this beautiful M1. And uh, no, it doesn't work at all on there. So I'm stuck running my 2019 16-inch fully loaded Mac <laughs> MacBook Pro. Uh, life is hard, Justin. The hard things in life, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> I, I've, you know, at, at some point you realize, yes, I'm coming from a position of privilege. And uh, I, I do respect that. And, uh, you know, I don't mean to... Uh, lord that over anyone but you know when you're doing so many podcasts uh, every track editing it for 20 minutes can certainly take some time but uh, the results hopefully you're listening to them now are worth it for sure for sure i mean i on the privilege thing i have to throw in a, an anecdote from this morning there was a there was a morning huddle in the jobby job so i was there and there's all the faces are on the screen i'm on the screen we're having our pre-huddle huddle where we actually talk rather than sort of get all corporate we're just you know this is the water cooler. How are things in Portugal? How are you guys doing in London? You know, it's all, it's all great. And then I, I had to mute, mute myself, turn the camera off and go to the gate because there was a man who wanted to come and inspect my pool because he's going to put water in it. <laughs> and so I came back, I came back and I'm like, sorry about that guy. I said, oh, what happened? I said, sorry, there was a guy, I've got to get the, the, the pool refill. Oh. I just realized what that sounds like. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. I've got a pool and it needs some water. And I know I'm really lucky, particularly when you're speaking to some people in London. Okay. Heated indoor pool only, please. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So yes, privilege. It's a lovely, lovely thing. Yes. All right. Our topic for this week, productivity or procrastination. I thought about this question because of a quote from James Clear last week. Planning and preparation are useful until they become a form of procrastination. Is this task enhancing my actions or substituting for them? And I really thought about this and went, huh, productivity can become busy work. 
you know, it's kind of like the email of the 2020s, you know, mm-hmm. or reorganizing the task manager and, uh, you know, making sure all the dates are updated and uh, yeah, it can become busy work and take away from work. And as we've talked about before, work is hard and we have to do it. Can, can planning and preparation. I mean, we, I think it can be a form of procrastination. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you think? Is there a way to balance it, Stu? Uh, well, absolutely it can. And I think often it's a form of procrastination. I've been guilty of it. Um, and everybody I know who's got an interest in productivity has, has fallen down various rabbit holes. So for me, I, I know you and I differ on this, but for me, OmniFocus was a form of procrastination. Um, I took a great deal of pleasure in, in organizing my projects and my defers and, you know, the immense amount of options that you can use in, in OmniFocus. And I did that and I'll probably put in a good week putting that together, you know, over a month or so, there's probably a good week's worth of hours, just getting everything just so, Mm -hmm. um, once it was just so then it was boring and I just got rid of it, didn't use it anymore. Um, So, so that, that's obviously procrastination and not only is it procrastination, it's, you know, you you have to spend money on these things. So, um, I'm guilty of it and I'm aware that I have a tendency to drift that way. I mean, often I will procrastinate not on purpose, but because I'm trying to avoid work. It's, I just don't really fancy these things. I know I'll do this. And it, it's another possibility, if you like. There are a million ways to procrastinate, and playing with a productivity app or a productivity system is one way of doing it. I mean, the, we, we spoke recently about Obsidian, and the reason that I haven't thrown myself fully into Obsidian is that I know that I could spend a month um, reorganizing my notes and importing and exporting and changing and just going back through them one by one and importing backlinks and all of that stuff and taking great satisfaction in doing that. But I'm not sure it would actually help me move forward on anything. So I'm disciplining myself to say, okay, this is a new project. I'm going to start it here and I'm going to learn the system that way rather than you know, give myself this big body of work that I can get satisfaction from doing, even though it doesn't really move me forward at all. Yeah. But do you, do you find it happens to you? Definitely. And that, that's why this, uh, quote from James Clear really resonated with me was that it is easy to do that. You know, even, even in a physical planner, you know, hey, you want to procrastinate, let's break out the washi tape and the colored markers. You know, it's very, very easy to find a way to avoid doing any work. And it's, it's an interesting way. I'm not sure that tools, any tool is the problem or the solution. I think the problem is that fundamentally it is so easy to use that crutch of I'm, I'm going to do this. This needs to be done because this is keeping my life in order. Mm. But there's another side to it as well. You know, we're moving. And one of the things that we've been doing recently is looking at houses. And I realized something that the hard part is actually making the decision. Mm Mm-hmm deciding where we're going to move and picking a house that is the hard part it's nebulous it's hard to put a time frame on it but once we make that decision then it just becomes execution and execution is actually much easier because 
you've got a list, you just check that off. I need to do this, and then I need to do this, and then I need to do this. The hard part, the procrastination really for me came in where I allowed myself that nebulous block of time that could have been used for researching the realtor websites, looking at houses, you know, all that stuff that goes along with it. Just getting to the execution part is the hard part. And I was trying to look at that and say, what lessons could I learn about my personal productivity for that? And I still think it sort of comes back into time block planning to replanning to reviewing. And I was wondering how you spend time and allocate time for for those activities, planning, replanning, and review. Mm. Do you block time for that in a day? Or does that become the easy way to procrastinate because you have to go back into whatever system you're using to to readjust for the realities of how a day works out compared to what you think it's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I still find this incredibly difficult. Um, I was I was talking about this on um, a, in a mastermind that I'm part of, where I was talking with some uh, friends there now about I know the signs that I'm getting stressed and beginning to feel overwhelmed. I, I know what those signs are because I've been around the block a few times. <laughs> I've been stressed a few times and overwhelmed a few times, and. What happens is that I stop um, meditating, mm-hmm. I stop journaling, and I stop spending the first 15 minutes of my morning planning my day. Mm-hmm. And the reason that those things happen, what, the first thing that happens, and, and you'll love this because this is a classic, this one, is that I think, right, I've got to meditate, I've got to do my journal. I know. And I put my AirPods in, start the meditation app. And then start writing my journal because <laughs> that saves time, doesn't it? I can do both things at the same time. And of course, what I'm actually doing is I'm not meditating or journaling. <laughs> I'm just losing 15 minutes. You're listening to a podcast. Well, but even then you're not really listening because you're trying to process thoughts and write. You're doing neither one thing nor the, nor the other. Yeah. Words and words are very tough to combine. Ordery sensation coming in and processing words going out, I find don't work together very well for me anyway. Yeah. And and so do I. And yet knowing that, and despite being over the age of 21, I still go, I know, I'll save some time. Knowing full well that doesn't work. And so I start doing that and I think, okay, well, there we go. I've got got those two things done. Look at that. It's early. I'm ahead of the day. Then I open my computer and I get in like, all right, I've got to get this done. I've got to get that done. I've got to get this done. I've got to do that. I've got to do that. I've got to do that. And I'll just finish that. Oh, oh what's that over there? Oh, hello. Oh, message. Oh, who's that from him? And before I know it, it's midday. Half the day's gone. I've not looked at my task manager to see actually what am I supposed to do. I've not looked at my calendar. I may well have missed a meeting because I've just dived in mm-hmm. to getting things done because I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I'm thinking like, if I can knock 10 things off, then it's all going to become a bit more manageable for me. And then what happens is I sort of skid towards the end of the day and it gets to the point where I'm feeling uh, an unspoken, I have to say, an unspoken pressure from, from home, you know, where are you? Guilty because I haven't closed my day out and still overwhelmed because I'm not quite sure what I've got left to do, but I know it's a lot. (laughs) And the whole, I'm, you know, gradually losing control upon what I'm doing with my time. 
and which tasks are getting done in which order. And then I just repeat the process the next day. So I, I leave my office untidy, which, uh, you know, generally I don't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there'll be stuff all over my desk and I think, well, okay, well, I'll deal with that in the morning. Things won't be getting charged. I won't take the right things upstairs with me. I, you know, the, the whole thing quickly unravels. And I know that it all stems from that morning where if I start the morning correctly and there are, you know, I've through experimentation, I've arrived at how to do that. If I'm disciplined enough to say, okay, well, just slow down, just meditate for 10 minutes, do your journal entry, take the dogs for a walk. And if you want to listen to a podcast while you're taking the dogs for a walk, do that. That's great. Then come back, sit down at your desk, open up your task manager, open up your calendar, open up your bullet journal, stroke daily driver, whatever you want to call it. And let's just look at how today's going to work. If I can do that, then I achieve, I don't know, 50%, 100% more in 75% of the time. Rather than just reactive. Yeah. The list reactive method, I think, is what Cal Newport calls it. You make a list, you see what's coming up, you just react to it. The, the tyranny of the urgent. Yes. In your mind or on a list, you think that something's urgent. I've got to do it. 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 And you probably do have to do it. But most urgent things are need to be done by tomorrow or need to be done by lunchtime or they're not actually that urgent. You sit there and you go, okay, this thing is urgent. needs to be done by midday. Okay. I'll time block that from 10 to 11. Then it's done. You know, it's going to be done by midday. You're, you're all, you're golden. So then you say, okay, so between nine and 10, which I know as when I'm on, I'm on fine and my brain is at full speed at that time in the morning. Great. I'm going to take on this difficult task there and, and at least get halfway or, you know, break the back of it. And then after that, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to have some lunch with my wife. And then I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do boom. Those days I achieve tons. The days where I don't do those simple little steps. That's when I end up procrastinating for Britain. And I find myself, you know, um, what was I doing there? Okay. Uh, MacBooks. I've heard of them. <laughs> exactly. We had a brief discussion. You know, am I going to get one? Do I need to get, you know, can I get an orange one? Are they going to make a nice bright shiny? I've had this conversation in my head three or four times. I've even documented it in places. And yet the other day I was on the website for an hour and a half. <laughs> and, and that was during a day that I had so busy that I didn't have time to meditate, to do my journal or to plan my day. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Where productivity can come in for me and become a problem is when I'm doing that sort of morning planning and I say, find myself going, okay, so for a couple of hours, I'm going to investigate OmniFocus again. Now I use things. That's my primary task manager. In fact, it's my only task manager. And that's a decision I arrived at testing things and only focus. Mm-hmm. But occasionally I still feel tempted by all the other systems. Come to the dark side. We have cookies. Yeah. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, why am I doing that now? And I know that there's probably something on my list that I'm trying to avoid. And then I will sort of almost subconsciously use a productivity tool to procrastinate. Mm, definitely. 
when you find you've got your task manager open in the middle of the day, you know, you've, you've gone down the procrastination rabbit hole. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to give you an example of what should happen. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to look at today, which has been, uh, it's fair to say a difficult day for me, right? But, um, when I'm looking, I've got several calendars that feed through to my calendar view. I won't go into all of those right now. Um, I've got a big block on, on time blocking that says Ahmed. Now, Ahmed is the chap that's uh, been fixing my swimming pool. Lucky man. Um, building me some steps. Now, within that big time block, which is most of the day, I have several sort of jobby job meetings. And mm-hmm. I had uh, another domestic meeting where Mrs. Lennon had requested that I, I give input. So she requests. That means do it. That is the essential one on your calendar today. Yeah. And then I have three recurring meetings on a Friday afternoon. So at three o'clock or 1500 hours, because I use the 24 hour clock, it makes me feel military at 1500 hours. uh, I have things review and shut down. So one hour where I'm going to go through things, review my task lists, review what's been done, what hasn't been done, what needs to be moved, what, you know, all of those good stuff, good things. And then at four o'clock I have record WI which fussy editor Justin knows is writer interrupted my podcast for members of my website. And then at 1700, I have essay recording, which is what I'm doing right now. So I try to close my week down at three o'clock on a Friday and then leave myself with things that are recurring appointments, but they're kind of fun things for me. So they, they don't require to be before the shutdown and shutting down earlier rather than later is all about giving myself a bit of margin and saying, okay, I've got an hour to record writer interrupted. Now writer interrupted is usually a 20 minute podcast. So I might record for 30 minutes and, uh, Justin will cut out all the nonsense, <laughs> get it down to 20, 25 minutes. But that gives me then also half an hour, which might feed into my review and shutdown extra time, or might allow me just to tidy up my desk, you know, do the little bits and go, okay, I'm just finishing my week. Um, that sort of transition from, uh, corporate work deadlines, all of that type stuff, moving towards the weekend, three o'clock on Friday is what I aim to do. Did I do it today? No, I was, uh, I was outside arguing with Ahmed basically. <laughs> About the pool, um, and dealing with you know the guy that's bringing the water, and just to, uh, trying to get things done in the Mediterranean is different. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. It's different. Things do not go straightforward and smooth. <laughs> but what about you, Justin? Do you have time sort of scheduled in for a for a shutdown for a a task manager review that type of thing? Yeah, I do. I have a couple of time blocks that I've automated on my computer here. And one of those is my startup in the morning. Uh, It pops up the relevant applications. It's a checklist of what I need to do so I can sort of time block my day for that day. The, The last item on my shutdown list is that I then shut down all my, all my applications that are open. I don't want to be working in my task manager. Uh, that's kind of why I use drafts. It You pop up drafts. It gives you a great workspace. Mm-hmm. You can put your thoughts, you can put your tasks, and you could deal with them later, sure. which becomes part of my shutdown routine. Then at the end of my day, about 15 minutes before my target shutdown time, I have 
my uh, tools open up again, my OmniFocus. And what that does is it forces me to go through the process. We talked about it before a little while ago, and I keep waffling back and forth between how much detail, how many checklist items do I have? And as silly as it sounds, having a checklist item for everything. I do the same routine day after day. Having one line that says shut down routine can still be misinterpreted by my brain. Mm -hmm. I can go down this rabbit hole or that rabbit hole or miss something. So I actually have silly things like check this application I'm looking for. I want to make sure that my work Slack is taken care of. I want to make sure that my work email is taken care of. I want to make sure that the the shared emails that we have, the functional emails that I have access to are also taken care of. And I want to make sure that my, all my tasks have been taken care of for the day. I, and, and I allow myself a little bit of margin, you know, half hour, 45 minutes or so to take care of those things and make a good shutdown of the day. But I find the morning is a bit of a, productivity procrastination for me. Uh, that's the challenge that I'm having. And that's why this, this topic kind of spoke to me. I've realized that one of the things that has changed for me in what we called lockdown, which wasn't as severe as some places, but uh, was still very difficult. I used to have a routine of going on a Sunday and sitting in a coffee shop mm -hmm. and doing a weekly review. And part of that weekly review was close off all the open loops, but more importantly, think about what I've got coming up and at least in my mind have the ideas of here's what my schedule looks like. Here's my days that I have meetings. Here's the days that I'm in this office. And I know that if I go in that office, well, that's distracting. Here's a day that I'm working from home completely. I'm going to get these large tasks done. Here's the deadlines that I have, you know, all of that stuff. I used to plan that out in advance when it came to the day, then it was much like the moving example. It's just execution. I've already made that decision. Now I'm, now I'm just executing on it. And I realized that I do miss that. I miss sitting in a coffee shop because it wasn't just the activity, which I can still do. I could check that off my review checklist in, in OmniFocus again. But the fact is that I don't spend the time to really pre-plan how I want my week to look. And that has led to the mornings becoming much more of a process of me figuring out what to do. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm making that decision and perhaps spinning my wheels a little more than I'd like, you know, instead of just 10 minutes in the morning of I'm going to do this and here's how I'm going to structure that because of this and this and this. I'm, I'm deciding, am I going to do this today? And once you start into that, you procrastinate. Sure. You choose the, the things that are easier and potentially more urgent in your mind. And, you know, your planning becomes a bit of procrastination. And it's perhaps not as effective of having made the decision than just executing on it. And so I, I was kind of curious how you do that. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what that's going to look like for me moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge I face is uh, I'm solar powered. Um, I used to be, I, I used to be a rock and roller. So I used to stay up late 
and I would write in the evenings. I'd feel pretty energized in the evenings and uh, I could do stuff. And at some point, I don't know when it happened, I got old and I'm, I'm the opposite now. So I start the day full of vim and vigor and I start pretty early by most people's standards. I'm up at about five most mornings and I will, uh, I'll do my journal. I will do the, the meditation that I just talked about. I'll take the dogs out for a walk. Now, obviously I'm privileged and very lucky to live where I live. So weather doesn't really factor into that very much. And so I come back from the dog walk thinking, okay, I'm good for my day. I'm going to take a shower, uh, have a coffee with the wife, boom, boom, boom. I get downstairs and I'm full of, I, I mean, I'm ready to go. And I find planning the day at that point pretty straightforward. I used to, at the end of the day, I used to do a close down each day. I don't anymore. I just do a close down once a week. But I used to do it at the end of each day. And the hope was uh, to try and address that issue that you're talking about, Justin, and say, right, okay, What's the, what's the big thing that I have to do tomorrow? What does tomorrow look like? Tomorrow's got two meetings, you know, this, that, and the next thing. The one thing that I need to get done is, is this. So I'm going to write that on a card and I'm going to, I'm going to have that in front of me so that in the morning I can just fly straight into my day knowing that's my big priority because you've done the mental processing. As you say, you sort of worked out that you've got a meeting here and a meeting there and a call here and a call there but you're going to fit this work around that or do it before it or however it's going to work. You've, you've worked that out in your mind, even if you haven't blocked it on a calendar. But I now find that tired me, you know, at five in the evening, six in the evening is going, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's more important. Nah, I'll deal with it in the morning mm-hmm. because my energy level has just sort of dissipated to such an extent that any decision I make would be a poor one anyway. So. Completely agree. Yeah. For me, it was all about saying, okay, that with, sorry, with the caveat of how I started this discussion is that the first 15 minutes, I should really focus on making sure I'm doing the right stuff. You've thrown a couple of quotes around recently about, you know, there is nothing so wasteful as as spending all your time and energy doing the wrong stuff. And that's so easy to do. I mean, I suppose that is a definition of procrastination in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. I'm I'm the same way as far as energy levels go. If I try to plan my day in the evening before I close down, I'm very very pessimistic. My, what what I will do tomorrow is going to be a lot less than I am capable of doing. If I block plan that in the morning, I'm super optimistic and quite often I will overestimate what I can actually physically do in a day. But so it's, it's an interesting thing I used to enjoy, and I hadn't really thought about how much I missed this, but I used to enjoy going and spending that time that was a morning sort of, it was outside of the work time where you're not making any decisions. You're not worrying about execution. It is purely for planning. Mm -hmm. And that is the one thing that I, I I do think I'm still missing. I'm not sure how to do that because I think part of that for me was context shift. If I, if I, if I went to, to a place and had a coffee and, you know, probably a Danish because, you know, well, COVID weight, uh, I, I could actually sit there and I could be productive in terms of what am I going to do? And more importantly, the space from having to, to be active, to really consider 
what are those big rocks and fit the things around it. I, I do tend to find that uh, I can I take a little bit more uh, of a list reactive method at the moment when, when I look at that in the morning because what's urgent, uh, you know, part of my morning routine is to check off all of my what's come up, what's what's burning down the doors and that does tend to be a little bit more reactive than I'd like. So, mm. uh, yeah, I, I do think planning can be a little procrastination. And at the same time, I've got to kind of figure out my own way to get this better. You know, maybe, maybe the, when the world reopens back to normal, um, you know, hopefully, uh, in a couple of months we'll get second shots and we'll be, uh, able to get back to a much safer, uh, time where things open up a lot more. We've just opened about a week and a half ago in BC for dining in, in-house dining, which, you know, we're not in a Mediterranean country, so there's not a lot of patio eating out here, Sure, but we've just opened with new COVID protocols and all the rest of it, but we can now go in and eat at a place. I'm not sure that I'm quite ready to do my coffee shop juggle because coffee shops tend to be a little less controlled, you know, you, you don't have people, uh, seating you into a clean area that has been properly, you know, cleaned and all the rest of that. Uh, it, it's, it's still a bit of a, mm. an unknown for me, but, uh, certainly it, it's getting better and I'm, I'm hoping that it'll get better, but, uh, yeah, I, I got to figure out some way to get the planning away from the day, from the execution. There needs to be a gap in my mind to really avoid that, that planning becoming the procrastination. Mm. Yeah. And those, um, sort of transition periods, um, that traditionally have always been the commute, they can be really important in this sort of, I mean, I think we're underestimating the upheaval that's gone on in our lives. And I know that sounds like a stupid thing to say, but COVID and, and the sort of responses to it have completely shaken up the way that we work, the way that we live. Mostly, you know, in a very negative way, but also I think there are, there are some positive things. And we're now reverting on some things and other things have changed probably irrevocably. And I don't think anybody is very certain which things have changed and which haven't. Certainly people aren't agreed on what should change and what shouldn't. And we're coming out of COVID is going to be as upsetting and difficult as going into COVID was because we, you know, we are creatures of habit by definition and all of the, the new normals are going to be upset again. People are going to find themselves going into offices, which, you know, I was talking to, to one of my bosses in the jobby job who went, it's really weird. You realize how incredibly unsuitable for work an office is. <laughs> it's too true. It's a, it's, you know, it's a distraction factory, an office. <laughs> there's, there's all your colleagues and what they're wearing. And, you know, how do they look? Although he, he looks healthy, she looks in good form. Those are distractions. There are people having telephone conversations or talking to their colleagues. Those are distractions. There are people coming, tapping you on the shoulder. Those are distractions. Offices are distraction machines. And people who probably never thought of them that way I mean, I might be the exception, <laughs> have, have been sitting at home, getting, getting stuff done and going, this is great. And the, the counter to that is that people have now got used to the idea that messaging is what makes the world go around. So I had a colleague today 
and this is just fantastic. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna break all the rules of podcasting. My editor will go bananas. He's very fussy. You know? Uh-oh. Um, I'm just going to click the mouse a couple of times. So this is from Microsoft Teams, right? And I swear to you, I'm going to tell you this word for word. So I, I won't give you the guy's names. That's unfair. But at 11.43, he sent a message. I said, morning, mate. Do you have a minute to talk? <laughs> so that was at 11.43, okay? And at 11.53, all caps, two exclamation marks, Stuart. Well, he did call you mate, so he expects a response, buddy. And then the next line is at 1417 from me saying, you forget, I'm old. Need me? Phone me. Um, he'd actually phoned me between 1153 and 1417 and said, I sent you a message on Teams however many minutes ago and you didn't respond. Oh God, yes. The joys of Teams. And I said, I said, that's because I don't have any notifications on Teams. I went, what? I said, I don't have any notifications on Teams. So what? How can people get hold of you? I said, well, like you did, they phoned me. <laughs> but, but it's easier on Teams. I said, it's easier for you, but I was busy. I was doing stuff. What were you doing? I was eating lunch. But I needed, no, no, I, I, with respect, I don't care what you needed. <laughs> what I needed to do was be working on stuff, whether that be lunch or writing a book, who knows? And, you know, all of these adjustments that, you know, are sort of, meat and drink for you and I and how we talk about distraction and productivity and all of those things, they're all up in the air again as we, as we return from COVID. And it, it just struck me. Uh, <laughs> I just thought it was brilliant. I, if I was writing a case study, I couldn't have written it better. No. Stuart, capital letters, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exactly 10 minutes after a message had gone unanswered. I just love the fact that the friendly answer to the demanding steward, uh, do you have a minute? Well, apparently not because uh, otherwise I would have actually responded. Uh, it, it is so endemic of, of the thing. I, and I could just imagine this is the guy that's walking down to your office in person, knocking on the door. Hey, do you have a minute? And he's sitting down opposite you with his notebook before he's, you've even got any further to say, no, I'm busy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the great thing was that when he did call me and we sort of talked through, um, he was, I was looking for my input on something, but actually he didn't want my input. He'd already arrived at where he wanted to go. He wanted your confirmation. Well, yeah, but even though it's not actually my call. So, um, <laughs> it was just like, okay. So we talked it through and, uh, it was kind of the end. I wanted to say, well, well, good talk. I'm, I'm glad we had that talk. I'm thinking <laughs> this is, this hasn't helped you. It hasn't helped me, but hey, you know, but that's, that's a real, real life illustration of the challenges that we're all going to face now. So as everybody changes gear again to this, you know, post COVID, and I appreciate that for many, many places, we are not post COVID, but that sort of shift into that world is going to reopen all of these challenges about communications and interruptions and distractions and productivity. And we, we should and could have learned an enormous amount from this, but what that demonstrated to me there is that maybe some companies haven't learned as much as they could have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, a prime example of uh, how to, how to be scared of when going back into an office. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you do know that I'm going to have to do that the next time we talk on uh, our messaging app. <laughs> I think you and I at least have the protection of never being entirely sure what time it is with the other. So um, we did both do it. We did both check 
which was, you know, if I send you a message in the middle of the night, you you are, you know, asleep and you have notifications off. Yeah, <laughs> we both check that. Yes, because yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, clearly this this young man would be, you know, if I was living in the states, he'd be sending me messages at four in the morning and, and absolutely furious that I hadn't responded to him. It's been an hour. <laughs> Well, just put it on your phone, let it beep, and let Mrs. L um, answer it. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, come on. The, the, the pool man doesn't deserve that. Yeah, uh, he'd just be like the uh, scared pool guy. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, know if he, I don't know if he's scared, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, I think I do time block for, for planning, and I do time block for close downs, but only what's necessary. I think if you're... If you get something from a daily open and a daily close, that's a great way to do it. If, like me, you don't, then don't overdo it. Don't do it for the sake of doing it. For me, I like to close down the week mm-hmm. um, because I, th- that, to me, is just a more manageable block to say, okay, here's an hour. Let's look at the week. What went well? What didn't? What's carrying over? What's going to be the priority for next week? And as you pointed out, I think a lot of that is really about the process rather than the actual output. So it's just just getting your head around it. It's it's preventing the overwhelm that I talked about at the start. It's just just giving yourself that little bit of time to go. Okay, the, these are the things that that are going to sort of shape next week. And then, as you say, hopefully take some time off, let your subconscious do its thing because that's when it tends to do its thing is when you're not thinking about it. And then come back. So I try and plan every morning, and then I try and close down once a week. What about you? What's your, your sort of settled rhythm? Yeah. So mine, and I'm going to call this my takeaway as well, mm. because I, I think that's a very good takeaway for somebody. And we're, we're going to completely go opposite ways on this. Mine is to plan in advance mm-hmm. so that you're just executing. Your execution part to me is easier. You could do, you could do that all day long, as long as you know where it is. Avoid the, pra- the procrastination of planning plan in advance and something that I want to get into, which is a little, probably actually the complete opposite of what Stu's uh, talking about. So take your pick. Uh, You can go one direction or the other or somewhere in between. I'm curious what you guys do as a listener. How do you plan your, plan your weeks, plan your days? Let us know. Uh, You can get in contact with us on our website or, you know, if you know, if you're listening to this, you probably know half a dozen ways to get uh, Stu or myself Slack or, you know, anything like that. But I'm kind of curious what other people do. Where can people find us on the internet, Stu? Uh, You can find me at stuartlennon.com or nerosnotes.co.uk. And Justin, where can people get you? I'm at justintwyfer.com, writeexperience.com. You can get a hold of any of us through links on those websites as well, or on our own website, stationaryadjacent.com. Please like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. We certainly appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues, at least, uh, you know, when we're trying to agree on something, <laughs> which we didn't seem to today. Our next show is actually going to be an interesting one. It's going to be on music for deep work until next week. Goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.